thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, to get us started, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about where you went to college, what you majored in, and what year you graduated in. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, my name is Carrie, and I graduated UC Berkeley with a degree in English Literature in 2018. Um, during college, I worked part-time in the advising office, led a decal, which are student-run um, Uh, courses on young adult literature and edited a journal that published undergrad papers. I also did internships that are related to my work now, such as working for a book scout, um, a literary agent, um, also having like a marketing internship at a imprint and at City Lights Bookstore, which is an indie bookstore in San Francisco. Awesome. Yeah, so maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. And now I am a school and library marketing coordinator at a indie publisher in San Francisco. Very cool. My name is Sarah Seymour, and I graduated from Yale University in 2018. Like a lot of 20-somethings, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do when I graduated. I remember literally Googling, what do people do all day? and feeling like unless I conducted a ton of informational interviews, there was no really good way to figure out what different jobs were like. I remember when I was applying to college, there was the Fisk Guide to Colleges, which was this book that described different colleges, what size they were, what the vibe was on campus, and so on and so forth. And all I wanted was for that to exist, but for careers. So this podcast is my best effort to create that through a series of informational interviews. I'll be interviewing people anywhere between three and ten years out of college across different industries to try to help you get a sense of different career paths. Just like you, these people have gone to liberal arts colleges and universities and weren't exactly sure what they wanted to do afterwards. The only difference is they're a few years out of college and can give you the inside scoop on what they were looking for, how they found their jobs, and how it turned out. So is this your first job out of college? Yes, my first official role. Awesome. So how did you find that job? And what were you sort of looking for when you were thinking about what you wanted to do in your first job out of college? Yeah, for sure. Um, After graduating with an English degree, I feel like the expectation was always for me to go directly into grad school. But then I spoke to a lot of graduate students at Cal and they were talking about their experiences and that got me thinking maybe like more school right after school is not the path for me. Um, so they recommended that I take a few years off, do something that wasn't like academia basically. And with publishing, that had always been in the back of my mind as a possible career path. Like I said, I did work um, in various uh, facets of the industry with like a literary agent, bookstore, um, at an imprint. Um, So I was already considering that. Um, However, the big five publishers, which are Penguin Random House, HarperCollins, Macmillan, Hachette, Simon & Schuster, are all based in New York. So um, that was, I think, something that they were really looking for in their applicants. And because I wasn't wholly 
100% committed to moving suddenly to a different coast for a job that I might not get. Um, I like wanted to play it safe and waited out um, a few years in the Bay Area looking at the indie publishers here, the imprints, because there are a few in San Francisco. And during that time, um, tutored kids through like an education teaching program in China. So I was teaching English to um, Chinese students during that time. And so finally saw like an open publishing opportunity at my current company now. Applied for it. It was, you know, the same old cover letter, resume, sent it through the company portal, and then um, was interviewed and got the position. So this is like my first job out of college yet. Awesome. But so you did, before you started at this publisher's company, you actually took some time to do some tutoring. Yes. I spent, I spent a year, like it was, I graduated in 2018, got my um, job at the, the company I'm at now in 2019. So, got it. Okay. So, I guess maybe to back up a little bit, it sounds like you thought that you might want to go into publishing when you were in college, um, partially because you had these internships. How did you find those internships, and and what were you hoping to get out of those internships? Yeah. So. I told the literary agent, I actually, like, cold emailed this person. I found her email on a website and was just like, hey, I would love to get more experience. Um, Can I, you know, can we, like, talk or how, like, I can apply for, like, a possible internship with you? And that worked out. I think with publishing, you have to realize that a lot of the official internships, like I said, are New York-based. And, like, those are the paying ones, whereas um, a lot of my internships are non-paying, and usually they would ask if I wanted, like, school credit. Um, So that is one thing to note about this industry, is that at first you might be doing a lot of, like, unpaid labor in order to gain experience to get your foot in the door. Although that might have changed, like, hopefully, because there's been a lot of talk about you know, how problematic this is. So that was the literary agent. And then for uh, City Lights, they actually have a um, seasonal or annual. They hire interns on like a rolling basis. And I just love the bookstore. And like, I knew I wanted to get involved somehow. So I could do that one for school credit. And that one I just applied to through um, their website. The imprint one that was with uh harper one which is an imprint of harper collins and they are sf based and that was a paying hourly part-time position and that's also just through their um their website got it and sort of as you were doing these internships what and it and it did ultimately make you think that you wanted to go into publishing what did you like about those internships and what were some things that maybe someone might not have liked about those internships, even if it didn't necessarily bother you? Yeah, so, like, I feel like what really drew me with into publishing also was, like, the people I've met through these internships. Like, uh, my managers at my past internships have been so great, um, and I knew, like, I just wanted to work with people, um, if that makes sense. And so that um, really just, like, 
refueled my uh, passion for publishing. Um, it is very much, I think, like a passion oriented like industry where if you're not, if you don't like reading, like obviously don't get into this, um, these jobs. But um, definitely love the people I worked with and hearing them talk about like projects that they've worked on before got me like more um I guess confident in that I could this is something that I could do potentially yeah for sure and so you mentioned that a a sort of obvious next step to you was potentially going to graduate school but you decided that that wasn't for you what what were some of the things that made you think that that wasn't the, the right next step when you graduated? Yeah, so um, a lot of the students I was talking to, there were just, like, no positions, really. Like, in the long term, you are essentially stuck in a graduate program for so many years, and there's no guarantee that you'll get a job, right, after that. So that was one thing that really made me reconsider. Um, graduate school I also wasn't really sure like where I wanted to focus um, my studies with in graduate school like you obviously you need to have like this is the era of literature that you're studying or like something very specific like Asian American literature um, literature in the 1920s and I feel like I wasn't like confident enough in forming like a solid thesis I guess around any era but definitely they've all they all told me to like get some experience like work outside of school for a while and then if you still want to apply obviously like it'll still be there for you so maybe we'll see I don't know um how that go down the line but for now at least not on the horizon yeah yeah And were there any other sort of industries that you thought about um, coming out of college? Because I can imagine, like, with an English background, you know, there might be sort of an opportunity to go into journalism, or there might be sort of other... Were there any other things that you were thinking about, I guess? Not really. I feel like uh, with journalism, um, they probably would expect for you to have like a portfolio and I didn't really get into that like that part of writing in college a lot of my writing is just like very like academia research paper based and it wasn't like taught like I've never studied or really done like journalism so but with an English degree I feel like it's very flexible and adaptable across like any industry like you can find obviously marketing um careers (laughs) across the board and also I've heard that like a lot of people who leave the publishing industry end up you know in tech whether like as a product manager or like something like that because they have so much experience coordinating projects across the board and just like with their verbal written communication skills that have they've developed through publishing like um I've heard like that is also like another feasible path for anyone considering publishing but then also knowing that like there are so many jobs in this industry you can also use your English degree um elsewhere yeah for sure 
So you mentioned that you tutored for a little bit and then you started um, at this indie publishing company on the West Coast. You mentioned that you sort of like saw that opening and went through the application process online. Is that all correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And what what was what did that involve? Um, did, was it a cover letter, resumes? What what were the steps there? Yeah. So it was just um, a cover letter of like why you were you're applying to our company specifically, and um, they just asked for a resume. And after that, I got an email from HR asking for an interview. So during the interview, I think with like most publishing entry-level jobs, they're really just seeing if you are a good fit for their team and like if you can book talk. And those are like the main things that they're looking for in a candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just made sure to do my research and like I was able to speak to um, this publisher's like book list and like speak to a few favorite books on the list and I really just wanted to make that interview uh as conversational as possible um I think that's like also a very important thing that they're looking for yeah and you mentioned um that sort of like a big piece of what you were thinking about when you were thinking about which publisher you wanted to go work for was this sort of location based thing and it also sounds like maybe working for an independent publisher was interesting to you were there any other things that you were hoping to get out of your first job no I feel like I just wanted to get a lot more experience inside publishing because there's not that's not like something you study in school like you don't really major in that um so very curious to see you know how like the logistics of things work like what is going on really behind the doors of these publishers um like they all release so many books a year like how does that happen right um so that's really what I wanted to see um and the nice thing about independent publishers is because the companies are so small you do you're not only like learning marketing because I'm in the marketing department you can also sort of see how the other departments work so we do work closely with like our editorial department um our design department and um something special about the company I'm at is that the editors will bring their acquisitions and we get to all review them um and talk about the books before we uh come to a decision so I know that doesn't happen like at the big five got it So let's jump in a little bit to the day-to-day of what it's like working at a publishing company. Um, Can you tell us a little bit maybe what a day looks like or if it makes more sense what a week looks like? Yeah. Um, So I was first hired as a marketing assistant and now I'm a school library marketing coordinator. And what that looks like for me is a lot of answering email um, and (laughs) coordinating events. I feel like my day-to-day really depends on what time of the year we're in because my job really revolves around super big school library conferences. Um, So that requires um, a lot of event coordination, which is one thing that I didn't realize was going to be such a big thing, like part of this job. So there's that. And then, so 
our company is seasonal, which means that we have fall and spring. I know that other, like the big five, they work with all four seasons. We're just doing like fall, fall books and spring books. So usually we will sketch out like a marketing plan for our books. Um, before that, se- before like the next season, make sure to set up a author call. So we go over the plans with the authors. Um, so a lot of those sort of meetings and whatever comes into my inbox there's like not really like a set day today it's more of just like working on these big projects and and seeing how to organize my time very well over the next weeks or so so like a lot of long-term projects for series yeah and what are your hours like yeah so I Technically, they're nine to five. Um, sometimes I will be working overtime um, into like six or seven, which isn't that bad. Um, and then if it's super busy, um, I will like like if there's like a mailing that needs to get done or just some some project that we just need to get finished, I will like log a few hours on the weekend. Also, with my because. I work at a lot of conferences um, that also requires a lot of like overtime hours. So essentially when those conferences come, you're working on like 12 hour days. You're like on deck all the time. You're speaking to people, you're at dinners, events, talking to them. So that's a really busy, but like fun, I guess, part of my job. Yeah. Yeah. And so do those conferences involve travel? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And do you like traveling, or is that sort of something that is just, and I guess maybe did you expect that that was going to be part of the job? Like, did you know that you were going to be traveling for work? I had, like, an idea that I would be traveling, I guess, Um, but then when they promoted me, the pandemic hit, so we, like, canceled all of our travel plans, Um, and I went to my first conference, like, a month ago. And really, really liked it. Like, surprisingly, it wasn't, I, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a first conference, I guess, for me. Like, I was like, okay, so this is what we do. And then just got into it. Cool. Um, So you mentioned that you work in marketing specifically, but there are sort of these other aspects of working at a publishing company. Um, To the extent that, and, and you mentioned that you sort of like get to work with those other departments. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of what the differences are between sort of what you're doing in marketing and what those other roles are doing um, and maybe what drew you to marketing in particular? So there is production, which is like getting into like the nitty gritty of that book design. Um, And I believe, I don't want to speak to them, so I might be wrong, but they, um, do a lot of like coordinating with the uh, the companies, the factories in China that produce these books, and make and making sure like they come here on time. Um, and then there's editorial, which was what I initially thought I wanted to get into when I joined publishing. I thought like I wanted to be like an editor long term, um, and they are the obviously like the hands on. People, they are the ones who get the acquisitions or pitches from agents and um, really work closely with um, authors and illustrators in reading the book. 
And then we have our sales and marketing team. So sales um, handle uh, several different like accounts across the board. You're dealing with like um, people from Target or Amazon and like tr trying to sell our books into these accounts. And then marketing, we're here um, producing, like creating ads, thinking about where we want our books um, placed, like how to obviously share um, sharing the books and uh, newsletters, um, any assets that would help our sales teams um, sell. And I realized that I want, I like marketing because it really does, like when you get down to the creative side of it, it, it is really like a lot of fun. Um, like in brainstorming, like how do we share this book in given so many words? like for like an ad because there's like a word limit obviously so I really like that part of like editing where you cut down like a story into so many words um and it is like storytelling on a different level like how am I supposed to reach like our consumers um how do we make this most impactful in the amount of space that we're given with the limitations that we're given and just thinking brainstorming like creative um, avenues because I work in children's books so there's like a lot of room for creativity here and that is why I'm sticking to marketing versus like my initial dream of going into editorial yeah so I guess I, I do want to ask you about sort of what you sort of how you got into children's books specifically but before I ask you that is there anything about sort of like the marketing aspect of publishing that you think some people might not like, even if it doesn't necessarily bother you? I think that you have to recognize, I mean, there's a lot of event planning. Like, that was one thing that definitely caught me by surprise. Um, also, this industry is a very slow-moving industry, and at times you are expected to handle um, work outside of what was initially asked of you. Um, marketing specifically you get into this job thinking that there will be a lot of creative work but then in reality with most entry-level positions you end up doing a lot of administrative tasks so that I think might be something that a lot of people don't know about and like might not have expected out of these jobs but um is like how it is yeah and I think that to be fair there's a lot of um there are a lot of industries where when you're starting out, you're doing sort of more administrative work. It's not uniformly the case across the board, but, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of entry level jobs that, that have some administrative tasks, but it's still sort of part of working your way up in the industry. And, but it's definitely worth knowing about sort of coming in and knowing what you're getting yourself into. So you work with children's books what sort of drew you to those sorts of books in particular? And, um, you know, what what do you like about working on that kind of book? Yeah, so with children's books, the difference is, like, there is, like, the illustrator involved, right? And I think what's really fun about my job is, like, first of all, getting these books into the hands of young readers and then I work specifically with educators and librarians, which, in my opinion, are like the best people ever. Um, so that's really fun. Um, and I, that's something that <clears throat> if you're working in any other 
love like adult publishing, I don't think they get as much interaction with um, educators as I do. And um, I also just love like a good illustration. Like I feel like what as a kid I didn't appreciate it as much, but now going back into children's books now, I'm like, wow, there's like so much involved here on the page and how the text interacts with the um illustrator and just being able to work with all these super creative or creative and talented authors and illustrators has been really so like fun yeah that's awesome and I guess sort of on the flip side what do you think are some things about working on children's books that some people might not like even if it doesn't necessarily bother you I feel like with kids books there are you feel like you're jumping into the deep end um, there is like a there's a long history of like authors and illustrators that um, you'll hear people around you talking about and you feel like oh wait I don't know these people like should I know these people um, so definitely if you're getting into kids like don't feel ever like you don't belong because you don't know what others are talking about I guess at first because trust me you'll like catch on very quickly I I do think like that is something that I found in my um in my like first year in in children's literature in that it did feel like I should have taken like a college course on this and some people do like there are uh, masters in children's literature which is totally an option for people um I just didn't go that path but I think you have to also recognize that your opinion also as like a consumer in marketing is very important because you are also interacting, you know, with how, with like other ads, like seeing how other publishers put out ads or like newsletters. So that is a big asset and don't like, don't think that um, because you might not know children's literature as well as some people do that you're not like qualified to work in children's yeah and I think that's an interesting point because you know I remember with my first job out of college like I wasn't a lawyer I was working with a lot of lawyers who obviously knew a lot more about the law than I did but a lot of times they would sort of point out that having the perspective of someone who isn't so in the weeds and doesn't have so much experience means that you might bring some fresh ideas to the table and that's really valuable in its own right Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just such a fast moving industry, like marketing in general, it's always changing. Like with the pandemic, we had to go digital. Like what are our venues in doing digital marketing? How do we want to, that to look right? So like, I think because it's always changing, like that is also super important. Just like being engaged with children's literature is does so much more than like studying. So is there anything else uh, that you want to add about your sort of day-to-day? Yeah, so like I said before, it really depends on what month we're in or what season we're in in terms of preparing for the next project. Um, Otherwise, regularly I'm working on creating um, ads with our design team and um, putting those into uh, publications like Publishers Weekly, Booklist, Library Journal. I'm doing that. I'm also brainstorming, working very closely with my team and thinking about promo. So that's when you see like a publisher give out um, art prints or stickers or like um, stuff like that. So I'm thinking about that every season. 
as well. And those are like a running uh, project. And I am also coordinating, like people reach out to me asking if something that they're doing can get like a book donation. And usually if it's school library or related, I will be the one um, to coordinate that, figure out what quantities, what titles, and then send out um, like a donation to these programs. Also, I am in charge of all of our award submissions, um, which means submitting our titles to all the qualifying book awards. And that is also like a running process where like it depends obviously on the deadlines. Um, And every season we will host a preview event, which is where um, we present a select select few titles from our upcoming season and then coordinate like with um, an author illustrator guest speaker and I'm also in charge of making sure that go that runs smoothly um and everything um I also on a monthly basis will send out a school library newsletter and make sure that the content is varied in the newsletter so figuring out what theme we want for that month's newsletter, if there's any upcoming events that would be useful for our school library audience, um, if there are any resources such as paper guides, activity kits that they want to see, and um, putting that all in to a e-blast. And those are my biggest like running projects. And then along with like the day-to-day of answering one-off emails yeah I imagine it's it has to be really interesting to be doing marketing for children's books in particular because obviously the kids are not the ones buying the books so you're kind of marketing to not your audience like you're marketing to the parents or to the educators or the librarians but you also need to make sure then that the actual content that is going to go to the kids is compelling to the kids as well as adults. Do you have any thoughts on sort of how you navigate balancing the fact that you have this sort of like gatekeeper to your actual audience? Yeah, no, definitely. I think that changes like how we write copy completely. Um, Cause there is the like consumer facing copy that is supposed to get the parents in but then when you're thinking about specifically with my audience for school library people like we are really trying to touch upon like what themes are in this book right if it has like any points that can be taught to your students like social emotional learning is a really big um part of like I guess a curriculum so when teachers are talking about teaching a book to a kid, we're trying to think in that lens when marketing to my audience specifically, we will, so that's like my part versus like marketing, marketing, I think you can play a little bit more with um, the language there. Although, I mean, at the same time, school library, us, uh, librarians and educators like to appreciate like a joke, you know, every once in a while, but it is it is very interesting when you're thinking about like we are not reaching our target consumer we're reaching like essentially like a middle person who will get hopefully our book into the hands of readers but yeah i i think like with me i'm always thinking about like 
what can we pull from this book that would benefit teachers like on an educational basis and how can that be expressed in the language we're using when we talk about this title yeah and I guess maybe I should have asked this earlier, but what are some of the differences between you started as a marketing assistant and now you're in this coordinator position? What are some of the differences between those two roles? So definitely a lot more responsibilities. I, with assistants, specifically can talk about this um, with conferences. When I was in the assistant role, um, that would be someone above the previous coordinator asking me to like do like print out can you print out this number of teacher guides for our conference coming upcoming now I'm the one who gets to decide that right like which teacher guides we want to bring um what the quantity is um so I'm making a lot more of those decisions finally um also with assistant my previous position was split across two departments where I was assisting both the marketing and sales department and now I'm just fully integrated into the marketing team. Got it. Cool. So I guess looking back at your experience, both through your internships and in college and then up through now, how do you think your priorities have changed in terms of, uh, you know, your career and your interests? Do you think that your perspective has changed at all? I'm hoping with more the more experience I gain with um, in publishing that there could be more like mentorship roles to take on. I think that is like how my goal has really um, changed. I've realized that because with publishing, it feels like you're jumping into the deep end because there's like really nothing to prepare you for this industry. Like I said, there's no college course right on how to be a successful like children's book uh, marketer. Um, I'm hoping that moving forward, I can really become like a mentor to, I guess, entry level as people, like whether they have questions or not, like I'm hoping to be able to support them in their growth. I've realized that like now working under a super great mentor, like that is such an important part of this industry and having someone like not a role model but someone that you can always go to with questions and not feeling like you're dumb for asking them or like someone who is always like super supportive of you pitching ideas and like shaping like if you want to do if you want to start a project or something's like a set board but having them like in a mentorship position or a higher position so they're able to really like be like, oh, but, you know, this part of it might not work or something like that. Because a lot of it is collaboration. But, yeah, that, I guess that is something that has changed. Yeah. And it's funny because I was speaking with a woman who I consider one of my mentors. And we were talking about sort of, like, how the pandemic changed the dynamic of the workplace. And she mentioned that, like, one of the really hard things about this was that people weren't asking dumb questions because it feels like a little... There was, like, this additional barrier of, like, oh, you know, like, I'm just... I'm walking by your office and I I actually kind of... I have this dumb question, whereas it's a little bit... there. It feels like a little bit more difficult to do that maybe over Slack, for example. 
So I think that that's really funny that you bring that up because it, it's true that, you know, it's really important to have those mentors where you can ask what very well may be a dumb question, but it is a question that anyone who is starting off would have. And it's important to get those questions answered. And it's important to feel like you have the space to ask those questions. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like, especially when you're in office and you're in person, you can just turn around and be like, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, here's like, a, like, where's that thing located again? Versus like, there's sort of like a self-awareness when you're typing out the message, you know, on Teams or Slack or like sending an email. And you're like, wait, should I know this? Or yeah, but totally agree. Yes. Yeah. And so while we're on the topic of mentorship, what do you think is the best career advice you've gotten so far? I think the best career advice is like, at the end of the day, they're just look. It's not like we are heart surgeons, you know, like no one's going to die on the table if I do not send this email out by the end of the day. And that has really helped me put things in perspective or like reminded me like, you know, like it's totally fine to be, to feel a little behind, I guess, on things. Um, because at the end of the day, they are just books. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's also something that the farther you get into your career, the more sort of awareness you have about like what really constitutes an emergency or a work emergency. Um, it, it just takes a while to have a feel for that because I think especially when you're starting out and you feel like you don't know what you're doing, which I think most people feel that way when they start out, everything feels like an emergency because you don't have any concept of, of like what you're, what you're doing. Yeah, no, yeah, like it just feels like, wait, like I missed this deadline, like, oh my gosh, it, it's over, everything's like, you know, falling apart. But yes, I feel like it, it does take like, experience and like knowing which things are like the big emergencies totally agree yeah totally so I guess you know for someone who's heard this episode and they're thinking working in marketing for a publisher sounds awesome this is exactly what I've been looking for what advice do you have for those people who maybe are in college or a couple years out considering this kind of profession yeah, um, I definitely, I think a lot of it, when you get into it, is a lot of project managing. Um, one of the best things that I've stumbled upon is making, setting up like a spreadsheet where you just track the status of everything that you're working on. And it's very, it's nice to keep that like as a running list so that you're also aware of how much work that you are taking on um because I used to when I started out I used to just write everything in a notebook and just cross it off you know and then I realized like when we're supposed to talk about our job I'm like I don't recall like what I've done because I've just been doing everything so I think it's good for anyone to just sit down and see how much work they've accomplished, especially if they're having a day where they feel behind on absolutely everything. Um, and it will also help you be very organized in terms of like what, what really needs to get done right today. Um, so that would be my biggest like 
tip if you're going into children's marketing. But otherwise, really just trust in your skill to be able to, if you like books, really, like, trust in that. Um, You will be fine. Like, as long as you're able to talk about books, like, it will be okay. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Like what you're hearing? Take a moment to follow, rate, and review this podcast. If you want to be super extra supportive, share it with a friend. I also want to hear from you. If you have a suggestion for a specific guest or if there's a type of job, role, or company you'd like me to explore, let me know. Just send your suggestions to what do people do all day 2022 at gmail.com. See you next week. Thank you.